we're in a we're in a year of being devoted, right? And uh, and how many are glad we can baptize? We're baptizing people. That people are bapt- being baptized. If you've not been baptized, you really need to be. You really need to be. Here's why: because God said to be. <laughs> like you're going to start your relationship with God out by being disobedient. Like he said, be baptized in water. And so it's the first act of obedience, really, after you say, God, I give you my life and my sin and everything else. Um, so I encourage you to do that. But this is exciting. But today, I want to talk about in this divided, devoted year about finances, a devoted heart. And I'm going to start a series right now called Devoted Finances. And really, um, there's a truth that should change your life. And, you, and if you don't, if you don't believe this truth, if you don't like this truth, if you just don't understand this truth, you're going to have a hard time really with anything I ever talk about. And it's this fact. God is devoted to you. God is devoted to you. That's why he sent his son Jesus. Because he's like, man, I can't be any more devoted than that to you. I'm going to give you access to eternity and life and eternity forever and ever and ever. He is devoted to your well-being. He is devoted to your good. He's devoted to make you the head and not the tail. Right? He's devoted to you. He works in you. God's working for your best. And if God is working, if God is working against you, it's, it's because what you're trying to do is not you, for your best. Some people say, well, God didn't answer my prayer. You should praise him for that. Because if he didn't answer your prayer, he probably protected you from something that you didn't see or know was going to happen if he had answered that prayer the way you want him to answer the prayer. Because God is Jehovah Jireh right? How many believe he's your provider? Like God provides. God has given me, will give me everything I need. He promises that. He says that. And we love to talk about him as Jehovah Jireh. He says, my name is Jehovah Jireh, which means God, my provider. Say that with me. God, my provider, which means God is providing for your life. We think we're the provider. It's, it's why I, I, I've said, don't pray this prayer. But if you think that everything you have is yours, say this to God. God, I believe everything I have is yours. I want you to move out. Take all your stuff with you. You know what happened? No one wants to pray that prayer, even the atheist. Because if he actually answered that prayer, they would immediately die because the breath in their lungs comes from God. Right down to the very basics of everything God has provided. And faith is derived from our beliefs. Faith is derived. You have faith because you believe something. So you trust something that you believe. You don't do what you know. You do what you... There's lots of things you know, but you don't do them. You know you should treat your wife better. You know you should tell them you love him. You know you shouldn't criticize everything they do, but you don't do it because you don't believe it. You don't believe that will make a difference. You don't believe that will change anything. You know, I, I'm going to tell you something that some will believe and some will know. Just nothing to do with belief. Just a little free piece of marriage advice. You ready? Do this. Get your ears out. Get your ears out so you catch it. Some of you got bigger ears than others, so you should have a better chance of catching this. How many know the older you get, the ears get a little bigger? <laughs> Especially in guys. Come on, guys. Isn't that right? Okay, here it is. If you talk about how amazing your spouse is every day to your spouse, your marriage is going to get better. Amen. It's that simple. But if you know it, 
you won't do it. You know I should, but you won't. If you believe it, you will make it a point to do it because you believe it will make a difference. So God is devoted to you. He's wanting you to do it. And here's the truth about you. You may not have known this, but it's true about you. You are generous. You, some of you are like, and? Because <laughs> the reality is, you, you were created to be generous. You were created to be generous. Why? Because God is generous. You were born to be stingy. But you were created to be generous. See, Satan wants you to be stingy. Frugal. I told you. God wants you to be generous. Would you want God to be frugal to you? Right? How many would say, I'd want God to be generous to me? Right? Okay, I'm going to give you a verse in a little bit here. It's going to show you something. But, but God isn't calling us to be frugal. He's calling us to be like him, to be generous like him, because that's who we were created to be. You will never be more like God, and you will never live your best life until you're generous. For God so loved the world that he, and, and I'm talking about generosity, and most of you are thinking I'm only talking about money, and I'm not. Because generosity is an issue of your life. God is not going to prosper your greed. He is not going to prosper your unhealthy appetites. He is actually going to prosper the health inside of you. Now, you've been generous this last year. We, we were able to give uh, uh, in Speed the Light, which is, a, for those who don't know, in the Assemblies of God's a youth missions thing. We gave $124,000 away. This year, we gave over a half a million dollars away to missions. 13,000 Assembly of God churches in the United States, and you were right about, from what we can tell, right about 50 out of 13,000 churches. Isn't that amazing? Because you were, you were generous. Um, uh, we were number, in Speed the Light, which is a national thing, we were uh, number 10 in the nation and speed the light giving. It's incredible what, what was done in this last year. You guys gave to Priority One, which builds Bible colleges around the world, preparing ministers to take the gospel to places where it's never been. Project 42, which is a ministry where we were a part of purchasing things that would go to places like North Korea. There is a spy department in Springfield, Missouri, where they develop technology that can be put in those countries where you'd be shot if you were caught with a Bible. And they've created things where they can actually read the scriptures and the, the government has no idea it's there. It's pretty incredible what it's doing in places, some of the hardest places on the planet. Iran, the fastest growing church in America is in Iran right now. And they did it be, through all this technology where they just started spreading it across uh, the gr grassroots of Iran and people started getting by and, and, and reading stuff in the scriptures. It's pretty great. And you supported that. You were part of Convoy of Hope, uh, which is our form of Red Cross. Actually, it's the fastest 
it, it responds faster than Red Cross to the natural disasters around the world, Free International, which is sex trafficking, Africa's Hope, uh, support over 100 missionaries. I'm only giving you some of the things that you did with all of that money. In fact, we support a tower in Jerusalem on the top floor of the highest building that prays with glass walls all the way around the, the top of floor of that building, 13th floor of that building, highest building, looks over all of Jerusalem. They pray 24 hours a day for Jerusalem in response to the scriptures that said, pray for Jerusalem all the time. And we give 1% of our budget to do that. You do. It's pretty incredible what God's done. Now, a few years ago, I told you, um, well, a few years ago, a few months ago, I told you that I was running, and uh, I was listening to T.D. Jakes, and he had talked about how, um, three, how God had provided to pay off three point, over $30 million of their debt in five years. And I thought, wow, that's incredible. And, uh, and then the Lord spoke to me. He says, you've never asked me to do that for Bethel's Rock. And, and if I would be honest, what I actually thought in that moment, I would have been like, uh, I didn't think you would. <laughs> right? And, and, and I said, well, Lord, will you do this? And, and uh, the Lord said, ask and you shall receive, just as clear as could be. And I shared that with you. At the end of this series, we're going to be starting a capital campaign that will end in the fall to get rid of the... $3.4 million that we know that's not 30 million. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Amen. That the 3.4 million that we owe and we've been paying our mortgage. It's not like we're, we're not paying our we're, finances are great. We're paying it. In fact, we were double and triple paying the mortgage. But I just felt like the Lord wants to do a miracle and I feel like the Lord wants to do a miracle and we're all going to be part of that. Yeah. Right? We're all going to be part of it. And if, and you know, people don't like giving money to debt, right? So it's not debt. We're going to build buildings in Farmington and Apple Valley that we actually get to use while we're building them, okay? And, and you're in one right now, and we're going to build it. Now, let me show you this video uh, quick. Go ahead. For, see, here it is. We're going to build this beautiful building. <laughs> And look at this sanctuary. Isn't it beautiful? It's going to be a beautiful sanctuary. You're going to look, the power of God's going to work in those altars. It's very realistic. It's almost as if it's already there. Um, the cafeteria is incredible. It, the, many people will sit there and have coffee and tea and cafe will be, in, in fact, they're going to take care of it, the offices, this is where you'll meet to deal with all those marriage problems. And then we're gonna, and then we're gonna build this beautiful gym and sanctuary here. We'll probably have a different color on there though. This is actually the new sanctuary where that church will be going because I'm just guessing they're gonna fill that, the sanctuary up too fast and it's gonna be so full we're gonna actually have to do that in a month or so. This is part of the kids area. This is the part that's already gonna be too full. So we're already building it and it's not going to be enough, okay? So we're going to have to move into the gym. So we're going to do all of that, right? And, and we're going to pay it off. Why? Because I believe the Lord wants us operating with no debt. And why? Because I believe even moving forward, we have to find a way to operate where we don't owe anybody anything. 
It's the reality. And especially with where our government's going, uh, the church is going to have to pay taxes at some point. We already know that. We've been told that by the lawyers we had that even been working with Supreme Court, they're going to start taxing. That will happen down. We have to be prepared for that. And, and you may say, well, I, I don't know about that. And the Lord actually told me this while I was writing this. Well, let me give you the reasons. So here are the reasons. One, uh, one, we're, we, uh, well, why we're doing it. One, I believe the Lord, we need a new facility in Richfield. How many have been to Richfield? Can I tell you something? Richfield, when we came here, Richfield was paying for Farmington to exist until this year. You weren't even covering your expenses until this year. Richfield had been paying for that, and we're asking Richfield to be a part of paying off the debt that Farmington had. It's an incredible campus, but they're a hallway. Like when you go, it's a hallway. We joke about it. It's, it's the Holy Ghost hallway. Uh, you, you come, it's great wind tunnel. And, uh, but they need a facility. We've been praying for one for 12 years. We believe the Lord's going to provide in Richfield. And I can't tell you what it is because it's an actual church right now. Um, but we just, we, we just believe the Lord's going to give that to us. So the Richfield facility, here's the other one, to update the facilities that we currently have. Because how many know in this generation, you, you like a facility that's welcoming. And when the world comes in or young people come in, you want a place that's relevant to them, right? That are kids. And so already we're doing that here. You're going to see things happen where we're removing uh, ceilings and, and moving bathrooms and the nurseries are going to be, there's stuff here that we're going to do as well, but we need to get rid of debt to do that. We're going to continue church planning. We're working on Cannon Falls right now. We're going to be in Jordan, up in Plymouth. So there's other churches we're going to create that we need to get rid of. There's an internship program that we're really starting just beginning in the beginning stages of working at young people who maybe aren't going to college but want to be in ministry that we're going to begin to train and equip to do ministry um, in the church. So if they're young adults, senior housing community, right out here, and there's land actually right off the back. I would love to see us attain so that we could build a senior house. And, and literally when those are sold, they go to missions. The, the, the income goes to missions as they're turned over, they support a, a, a ministry over leaving a legacy forever. And then outreaches, uh, community outreaches that we will continue to do regardless. And here's the great thing. We give, Bethel's Rock gives. doesn't matter what campus you go to. We're generous. We're one church. We just have overlapping services. And, and we all meet together as one church. But the Lord, this is what the Lord spoke to me. He said, there are some people who will just say, I am not going to participate in any way, shape, or form in this. I'm just not giving. So don't bother asking. First of all, I have never put pressure on people to give. Because I'm not the one that gets blessed from it or suffers from it. It's a personal choice. You've got to hear from the Lord. And that's okay. If you don't give a penny to this, we're going to love you the same. I promise you, we're going to love you the same. This isn't about that, but the Lord gave me these two words, watch and see. While I was writing this, he said, watch and see. And this is what he spoke to me. Watch how God does a miracle to erase the debt and see how he blesses those who participate in it. 
You don't need to give, and I don't want you to give. If you don't, if you don't have it in your heart to give, and you don't want it, you don't, you don't, don't. You'd make me upset if you did. But the Lord is going to move in the hearts of some, and they're going to give. And I want you to watch how the miracle takes place, and I want you to see what God does in those who do participate. It's going to be extraordinary. Because I've seen it so many times before. When we were in Michigan, we had five building programs that we walked through. Trust me, I don't, I'm don't, I don't need, all oh, you pastors want building programs. I don't like building, I, I'm tired of them, right? But when the kingdom is being built, they happen. And we get to be part of that. So, so just note, and, and notice, did you, have you noticed we don't pass the plate? Did you notice we don't do that? You know why we don't do that? Is because if you're going to give, you need to seek it out. We make it way too easy to do something that is such an incredible blessing in your life. If you want that blessing, you got to go find it. I'm serious. If you want to be blessed in your giving, go find an usher somewhere and you can give. Or go online and, because the Lord blesses those who tithe. Now, um, <laughs> what's, funny, what's funny is uh, uh, there are four types of giver givers. There are four types of givers. There's the one who loves to give. I love to give. I give. I enjoy it. It's just so much fun. I don't need to be told to do it. I just want to do it. Goody, goody, goody. I want to give everything. I love it. Woohoo! Right? Then there's one, I'll give what I'm told. I'm not giving any more than I have to. I'm not going to give any less. I'm, gonna be, I'm the obedient giver. There's the joyful giver that just gives way above. Then there's the obedient giver. Then there's the one, uh, I wish I could get giver. If I, you know, I just wish I want to. I know I should, but I just, I just never have enough. I just can't ever really get there. I know it's important, and I know I'm told to do it. I just, I really want to, but whenever it comes time to do it, I just, but I don't know. Right? And then there's one, I ain't giving anything. No way I'm giving a dime. You know, all you want is money, and, right? So isn't it amazing that the people who love messages on giving are the ones who give? And the ones who don't hate it? Why is it that the ones who give love them if it's so bad and so wrong, and they don't experience the blessing of it, why are they so happy about the message? Why is the ones who have never experienced that blessing hate it so much? Why are we pushing back on it so hard? So, what are we devoted to? Matthew 7, 1 through 2, because most of us, when we think about giving, think about money. So Matthew 7, 1 through 2 says, Judge not that you, you be not judged, for with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. So there's two statements here. I need your help because I want you to commit this to memory. You all ready to go? Say this with me. Judge not and you will not be judged. Okay, one more time. Judge not and you will not be judged. Here's the second statement. With the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Let's say it one more time. With the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Now, anywhere in that verse, did it talk about money? Nowhere in there did it talk about money, right? 
Nowhere in there. Now, I'm going to go to a parallel passage in Luke chapter 6, okay? And I'm going to read the first part and the last part of Luke 6, and then I'm going to give you the whole verse. It says, judge not, and you will, shall not be judged. Sounds familiar. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. Same, sounds familiar, right? It's the first part. Now, in Luke chapter 6, there's a portion that's in there that isn't in Matthew, in the Matthew passage. And here's what it is. Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, this is where it starts, condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be Give, and it will be given to you. But, and there's, there's like hands, in good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be put back into your bosom. For with these same measures, that this kids, kids stuff, for with the same measure that you use, it will be. Here's the question. Was money anywhere in there? Do you know Why? Because giving is not about money. Giving is an attitude of the heart that applies to every part of your life. Money is just the physical thing that identifies how we are in every other area of our life. You think you're really good at giving forgiveness. And you really think that. But your measure of Forgiveness and giving forgiveness will be the same as you are in your money. You will, because it's an ad, giving's the attitude of the heart. So if you're an eight in, in that attitude of your heart, you will be an eight in every area of your giving. But we think we're better in some than others, and we're really not. We're eight. It's just that, because it's just who we are. I'm either a giver or I'm not. And what level of a giver am I? It is a heart issue. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be. Oh, this pastor is just talking about money again. All the church wants is my money. And just, he's just one. He's just, they, they just, they're going to try to manipulate me. I'm just going to hold on and bear through this. And I'm going to skip this whole series. He just wants, and, and he's, God just wants my money. You know what? Yes, God wants your money. I told you. A pastor finally admitted it. He just, that's all he wants is our money. That's right. Yeah, I said it. That's right. God wants your money. Do you know why he wants your money? Because he wants your heart. The only thing he doesn't have, the only thing God doesn't already have is your heart. You get to choose to give him your heart. You say, well, how do I do that? Where your treasure is... Your heart is there. It's why parents act like wackos with sport, sporting things. Because they put so much money in putting their kids in sports. When their kid doesn't play, they, they become a different person. Because their heart is there. Right? Because they put treasure there. It's, they're passionate. You know, really, it is a true thing. Your heart is tied to your, what we used to call wallet. And not, people don't always have wallets anymore. But it's, tied, it's like, it's true. Haven't you ever noticed? Like when they reach back, oh, ah, right? Soon as they reach back for it, there's, there's a pain. You invest money in stocks. You didn't care about the stock market until you bought stocks. And all of a sudden, every 20 minutes, you're checking to see what happened in the stock market. Right? 
Where, so giving, it's a heart issue. It's giving. Do I give judgment or do, do I give grace? Do I condemn or do I have compassion? Do I forgive or do I hold on? And there's a, a law of sowing and reaping, reaping. When you take a seed and sow it, not only do you reap a seed, but that seed actually produces a tree that reaps many thousands of seeds. What's incredible to me is how we think all of the stuff being done to us is something we don't deserve. It's amazing how believers who believe the word of God is the word of God in truth, how all of the stuff that's being done to us is unfair and not deserved. And yet the Bible says you reap you reap, some of you are sitting there, I'm not saying it, pastor. I'm not saying it. There's no way. No, I didn't deserve to be treated. Uh-uh, honey, somewhere along the way, you sowed that seed. And you reap, they, they, I don't understand why people don't forgive me. I don't understand why there's no, for, well, maybe you reaped on forgiveness. And that's what you're getting back. You sowed on forgiveness. Now you're reaping it. There was a, parents that had come in to talk to me and they were upset because they said their kids were so disrespectful. They, they constantly were saying things to them that were rude and they, they just weren't kind and they would, they would tear each other down. And then the pastor, what do you need to do? And I'm like, well, and I'm asking them questions and, and you know, they want me to fix it. Like I'm going to fix that. And, uh, and, and they did all of that. And it's just, I can't believe, and all these other kids don't. And, and why do our kids? And then, and, then, and then we get done and we pray. And I had, you know, I'm sitting there going, I have no idea what's wrong with that situation. And uh, you, you can just say, well, you need to read the word and all. And then he goes, now, now, now on, a, on a second note, Pastor, there's a couple of things I want to talk to you about, about how you're pastoring. I said, I just got a revelation. Do you see it? it? They were a reflection of what they had been sowing. I, I mean, we really need to stop. And, and we ne just, we need to stop. We need to really just stop blaming everyone else. You will never see things change if you keep blaming everyone else. The only thing you can change is you. And you can't even change you. Because if you could, you would have. It is only through Christ that there will be any source of power to change. It really is only through his word. Deuteronomy 15.7 says this. If there is among you a poor man of your brethren within any of the gates in your land, which the Lord your God is, what? Giving. Who's giving it to you? God is giving it to you. You shall not. Unfortunately, that's happened. We've hardened our hearts because of all the lies that people have said around us. Trying to, The enemy doesn't want you to be generous. He doesn't want you to be generous. Shut your hand from your poor brother, but you shall open your hand wide to him and willingly lend him sufficient for his need, whatever he needs. 
Beware lest there be a wicked thought in your heart. Can I tell you, everyone in here has had a wicked thought. You know what I'm talking about. If you've had kids, you've had a wicked thought. I rebuke that right now in the name of Jesus, right? You've had to take captive a wicked thought. We've all had wicked thoughts, and wicked thoughts are not who you are. They identify the fact that we're in a battle with an enemy that is literally just even communicating, wanting us to go down a road we shouldn't go down. You got to recognize there are the seventh year, the year of release, which is year of jubilee, is at hand, and your eye. Uh, be evil against your poor brother and you give him nothing and he cry out to the Lord against you and it becomes sin among you. It becomes sin. Selfishness is evil. It is evil. And the first thing we need to do is really deal with the selfish heart. Look at Deuteronomy 9. In, in, in 9, it says, beware lest there be a wicked thought in your heart. Selfishness is is something that the enemy wants to foster in your life. You know, year of Jubilee, there was an economic system in the Old Testament days called the year of Jubilee. It was the seventh year. Every seventh year, any debts that were out there would be forgiven. Now, how many are like, I like that economic system. How about we implement that here, right? The only people who'd say amen to that are the ones who have debt, if you're someone who's lending money, you're like, that is a horrible idea, <laughs> right? But what it's saying is, is someone comes up to you and they ask for something and you have terms in that agreement and yet you think next year is going to be the seventh year and I will have to forgive them that debt. I'm not going to lend to them because they won't pay it back because it's the year of Jubilee. They'll, it'll be already, I'll have to forgive the debt. And so I'm not going to loan. Or I'll set the terms where they pay before. That's what the wicked thought was. It was a wicked thought to think that I'm either going to benefit from this person or take advantage, or I want this back, rather than to think I want to bless this person because they're in a time of need. I have the resource to do it, and I'm going to bless them. Now, I want to tell you how religious our thinking is. When you hear me talk about that, there's this sick feeling in your gut like, I don't want to do that. If I see a need... And I can meet that need, I'm going to meet that need, and I want them to pay it back because I'm going to help them out. And then we immediately go to all the reasons why they got themselves in that city. And I'm not, right? And, and I want it back rather than to think, I'm going to bless you. If it comes back, it comes back. And if it doesn't, it doesn't. It wasn't mine anyway. We think it's ours. Really, I know you know it's not yours, right? How many say, I know it's not mine. But what we believe is it's mine. It's mine. It belongs to me. I worked for it. I earned it. I outsmarted. I did whatever I had to, but it's mine. Right? And I'm holding on to it. Nobody coming and taking it from me. It's mine. And selfishness is wicked. God wants us to be generous as he is. Let me ask you, would you want God to be as stingy as, as we can be? 
or as generous as he has been to us. So, you know, why did God create tithing and giving? Some would say, well, because we got to pay for the lights and we got to pay for the you know, building. We got to pay people to clean the bathrooms. How many? It, it wouldn't be fun coming in if you're nobody cleaned the bathrooms, right? And so, so he created it so that, so that we could pay all those bills. Like God, God's in heaven going, oh, you know what, Gabriel? I don't know if we're going to have enough for the light bill today. I mean, God is operating heaven without you. Don't you think there is a way if he could create all of it, he could operate all of this without you? Right? But you know why God created tithing and giving? <laughs> to deal with your selfishness and greed. He didn't for, do it for him. He did it for you. There is no antidote greater in your life than tithing and giving generosity to deal with the selfishness and greed that's part of the sin nature. It's the only way you can deal. God, help me not to be selfish. Then give. Help me not to be greedy. Then give it away. Give it away. Is there another way, God? <laughs> and there's this sense of giving to get. There's this preaching of giving to get. That just increases greed. <laughs> you don't give to get. You give to bless. Like God gave to, be, to bless. So when I, I, I receive, I broadcast it to bless people around me. The blessing flows through me. I become a channel of blessing, not a reservoir where it turns to greed and selfishness. Except for one area. There is one area where you can be selfish. And this is primarily for men. And that is in the area of food. <laughs> I'm sure it's in the Bible somewhere. I, I haven't found it yet. But ladies, we don't want to share our food. <laughs> you know, I went to McDonald's and my wife... I, I, I'm gonna, I want like an egg McMuffin. Honey, do you want anything? Uh, no. I'm like, are you sure? No, I'll just have a bite of yours. <laughs> no, you won't. <laughs> I will order you two before I let you have. Like, I've already envisioned in my head me eating the whole thing. You are, And this is a true story. I'm like, no, you can eat half of it. I don't care, but you're not having one bite. One little piece of my Egg McMuffin sandwich, right? So that's the only area you can be selfish in. I, I don't, it's in the Bible somewhere. I'll find it. <laughs> there wasn't McDonald's back then, so that's why they didn't put it there. Here's the second thing. Dealing, you're dealing with a grieving heart. You deal with grieving heart. De Deuteronomy 15.10 says this. You shall surely give to him, and your heart should not be grieved when you give to him, because for this thing the Lord your God will bless you in all your works and all that uh, to which you put your hand. And it's true. God, this, when you become generous, every part of your life changes. Why? Because you're generous in everything you do. Not just in your finances, you're generous in everything you do. You're kind in everything you do. Selfishness attacks us before we give, and grieving, greed, attacks us after we gave. 
before you give, Satan's trying to keep you from giving. Then once you give, he tries to tell you why it's bad. Have you ever had something happen where Heather and I, when we first got married, we did not, I think I've established, we didn't make a lot of money. In fact, we, we literally were week to week financially just to be in ministry. That's what we had to do. So we often lived in faith. Uh, uh, the, that, like that whole first part of marriage was in faith. And um, the Lord had told us to give something. And I'd asked her, what did the Lord tell you to give? And he had already spoken. And it was exactly what he had told me to give. And so we gave that amount of money. It was everything we had. And we gave it. And after that happened, our car broke. And you know what the enemy does? Well, if you hadn't given that amount of money, you could have then paid for your car. Look what happened. And you know, the Lord actually brought Dorothy Grinowitzki, who's now gone and be with the Lord, and I'm going to honor her with her name this morning. She came up not even knowing, and she says, the Lord spoke to me to pay you this much money, the exact amount of money to pay for our car. In that moment, I realized there's something way bigger than what's going on in my bank accounts happening in our life right now. There is an economy I am living in that I don't understand. But I like it a lot. <laughs> right? Because I don't need to freak out about it. I don't need to worry about it. You know, it's interesting. In fact, I just had this thought. And normally, I've been pastoring for over 25 years. And I just had this thought. And normally, I wouldn't bring this up. But we're going out to dinner today. And I don't have any money in my wallet. And, and I don't know what I'm going to do. Because I don't have any money in my wallet at all. So I don't know what. Oh, Mitch, thank you. Wow, and $100, Mitch. That's very nice. Wow. Some of you are thinking, boy, Mitch is really nice. And it seemed almost staged how quick it was. And, and it, was, it was just happened so fast. Actually, it was staged. I gave him the $100 bill. Before, and I said, Mitch, I'm going to bring this up, and I want you to bring this to me. I actually gave him this, and, and so it was staged. And, and, and what you say, well, why was it so easy for him to bring it to you? Well, I'll tell you why it was easy, because it's my $100 bill. <laughs> like, I went to the bank, took it out of my account, and then I gave it to him, and I said, I want you to bring this to me when I, when I do that. And then he ran up here generously with cheer in his heart uh, to, to give, because you all thought he was being generous. See, that's why we struggle with generosity is we really believe it's ours. When you don't believe it's yours, you don't grieve when you give it away because it was never yours in the first place. You were just channeling, just the channel of someone that was actually bringing it and giving it away. It's, it's part of what, what happens when we're being generous. That's yours. It's, it's, it's when you realize, 1 Corinthians, the earth is the Lord's and all its fullness. Your house is his. See, remember the string? And I said we live for the blue tape. If you didn't see that message on eternity, you need to watch how we live for the blue tape. Jesus tells a parable how a wise man built his house on the rock, but a fool built his house on the sand. He that lives his house and his resources and puts it all in the blue tape is living, building his house on sand because we all know it comes to an end. Every one of you are going to have a funeral. 
unless the Lord returns. Right? And if you've invested your whole life resources, everything in the blue tape, you'll be the fool. But the wise man invests his life into eternity. They use everything they've had for eternity. Here's the second, third one, develop our generous heart. We develop a generous heart. Deuteronomy 15, 14 says this. It says, you shall supply him liberally from your flock. Who does that sound like? The Lord. He says, you shall supply them liberally. Why? Because the Lord is liberal to you. He's providing to you. You look like the Lord when you do it. From your threshing floor and from your white press. And we say, well, one day I'm going to be a real generous giver. I'm going to be so generous when I get more money. No, you won't. If you can't be generous with $10, you'll never be generous with $100,000. In fact, your heart will get harder because it's at the lowest point. It's at the, when you don't have anything that you establish the character and culture of your life. You don't, if you're not generous today and you think, it's, I just need more money, no, it's what's in your threshing floor and from your wine press right now. From what the Lord your God has blessed you with, you shall give to him. In Luke 6, 30 through 36, boy, you want a verse that's really hard? To, I, 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 I've read this so many times. It's such a difficult verse. It said, give to everyone who asks of you. If I were to write a Bible, I'd probably leave that out. <laughs> like, I'm okay with God giving to everything that asks him of it, but it's because of my ignorance of the kingdom of God that I have a problem with that statement. Because I struggle to see my life as being unlimited, limitless. I think there are limits on my life and what I can do. And so the thought of someone asking me and me having to give means I get less. But in the kingdom of God, there is no limit to what God can do. But I struggle with it. Anyone struggle with that? We struggle with it. And when I struggle with understanding and living a limitless life, I never experience a limitless life. I'm, I'm, I'm bookend in. And from him who takes away your goods and do not ask them back. And just as you want men to do to you, you also do to them likewise. But if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And what are we talking about? Not just finances. I'm talking about forgiveness. I'm talking about compassion. I'm talking about loving people and caring for people. Those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you hope to receive back, what credit is that to you? For even sinners lend to sinners to receive as much back. But love your enemies. That's generosity. <laughs> and you thought it was just money. Some of you are thinking, I'm just giving money. I ain't doing that love your enemy thing. I'm just, I'm just doing the money thing. That's a lot easier than loving my enemies. You, you don't know who you're asking because enemies is enemies here, but it's a name in your context. There is somebody you just don't want to love in your context. Do good and lend. <laughs> Are you thinking that name right now, your enemy? How many have a name in your head? It's okay. Raise your hand. Be honest. Be authentic. No one's judging you, right? 
You, you have a name, right? I looked over there, right? You got a name, right? You got a name. This is what it says to you. You need to do good to them. You need to lend to them. Hoping for nothing in return. I hope they, I hope they don't give it back. To your enemy, and your reward will be great, and you will be sons. Look what it says. And you will be what? Like, that's what it is, sons of the Most High. For he is kind to the unthankful and evil. Therefore, be merciful just as your Father also is merciful. How many would agree with me that we should make a petition and give it to the Lord and say, we don't like that verse? How many know I probably need to hear that? You know, your children are born. Your children, one of the first things you teach them is to share. Share, share. The kid has playing with the toy. His neighborhood friend's sitting there watching him. He won't play. So the neighborhood kid goes over, picks up another toy. The, your son is sitting there looking at him, and little Johnny sees him over there and sets his toy down and goes, Mine! Mine, 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 mine. Right? And you go, Johnny! Share. And Johnny looks up at you and goes, You don't. You don't. What do you think God's telling his children? It's time to grow up. You hope when little Johnny grows up, he actually learns to share. It's time to grow up. I think God's looking at us and says, at what point do you grow past the idea that I've given you everything? It's all there. When are we going to grow up? Lastly, we need to develop a grateful heart. We need to be grateful that God, God saved us. De Deuteronomy 15 and 15 says, You shall remember that you were slaves in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God redeemed you. Therefore, I command you, to, you this thing today. He's commanding us to remember that we were destined for an eternity in the lake of fire. But how many know God saves you from the lake of fire? How many know that the joy I have, the Lord, what would your life look like if it hadn't been for God in your life? Something should jump up inside of me and say, I am grateful that the creator of the universe became a man so that I could have life, and it is a privilege for me to be generous. Because he did for me what I, I will never outpay God. I will never outgive God. I could never repay what he did for me, ever repay what he did for me maybe you think you can but we didn't give when we had nothing because we were trying to get something our heart just beat to be a blessing for people and the Lord took out of the equation of whether or not we needed to take care because he took care of us and we got the privilege of then blessing people we got the privilege of blessing the kingdom. We got the privilege of doing that. And God took care of us. I can't tell you the number of miracles, but not just in our finances, in our relationships, in our marriage, in every aspect of life, he did it. Will you stand? It's a heart issue. It's a heart issue. And the Lord will never come and judge the attitudes of your heart unless you invite him to come and judge those attitudes in your heart. He is, he is not going to come 
and attack you because that's not the Lord's character. He doesn't do that. That's what the enemy does. And you, some of you have been taught that the Lord's going to come and he's going to point out all your flaws and all the problems. Can I tell you, the Lord doesn't point out your flaws because he knows the moment you open his heart, he just kicks the flaws out. If, if you know it's not the Lord attacking your character, you know why? Because the enemy can't fix your character. God says, I'm the source to changing you. I don't need to tell you how bad you are. I'm the one that comes in and cleans your heart out. It is the enemy that comes and condemns the heart. So if the enemy's been coming to you trying to condemn you, even while I've been preaching, that is Satan. And I command him to leave this place right now, that this place would be covered in the blood. There is no condemnation. This is an opportunity for us to invite the Holy Spirit to come and to judge that attitude in our heart and to change our perspective. Does that make sense? How many are saying, I want that in my life? If you do, just raise your hand. Say, I want that in my life. It, it should be everyone in the room should be saying, I want that in my life. Why? Because we need God attitudes, right? Father, right now in the name of Jesus, I pray that you come by your spirit and that you would speak with your voice and that your word would literally begin to uh, kick out the attitude of our heart that has been robbing us the lie that has been holding us back for so long, Lord. Right now, I pray you just take our heart. Come and fix those things. Heal those things. Transform our heart to see as you see. 